Hello, friends. Thank you for tuning in to Weathering Coronavirus Updates and Hope. I thought that today we would spend a little bit more time on hope and a little less time on updates. It's that time in the crisis right now where we need that. Let me read you a headline from the New York Times this morning. New infections in the U.S. soar, and the nation is warned that 200,000 could die. Faced with a grim prospect that 200,000 Americans could die, even with aggressive action to slow the spread of the coronavirus, President Trump extended the guidelines on avoiding non-essential travel, staying away from work, visiting bars and restaurants and gatherings in groups of more than 10 for at least another month. We can expect that by June 1st, we will be well on our way to recovery, Mr. Trump said on Sunday evening, though we offered no scientific data to back up that claim. We think by June 1st, a lot of great things will be happening. I'm not sure that this is journalism. I'm not sure that this is of any value whatsoever to us. This is speculation. And when someone says 200,000 could die, well, someone said it. All right. These sorts of statements are of little value in dealing with a crisis. And when Trump extended the guidelines to continue the social distancing, there should be no surprise there. We're still trying to flatten the curve. If you haven't noticed, testing is showing that we have a lot more cases than we once knew, but it doesn't mean the disease is spreading out of control. What it means is that we're starting to get data in about how widespread the illness really is. Nothing has changed. Let me repeat that. Nothing has changed. Between yesterday and today, someone said 200,000. The president said, let's keep doing what we're doing. But nothing has changed. Really, the only things we might say have changed are that as a nation and as a people and as a society and as a world, we have advanced that much more toward managing this crisis and getting to the other side. This is a waiting game, people. We're going to have to exercise a lot of patience and realize that we just have to wait this one out. Make wise decisions, do wise things, and wait it out. So if the headlines this morning seem disturbing to you, I want you to take a step back, take a breath. Let's work a little bit on perspective. Nothing has really changed. But then I wanted to give you some real tools that could help you in managing any sort of a crisis. And this might get kind of, oh, what would they say, meta or introspective. But I think that if you can wrap around what I'm getting ready to share with you and then begin a journey of experiencing what I'm getting ready to share with you, then it may really change the way that you manage all crises in your life. What I'm talking about is the psychology of a crisis. Now, I'm not a psychologist. I've read a lot of books. I've put together some ideas. I've begun to understand and to practice a few things in my life that have become very useful for me. And I would like to be able to sit here and cite psychology journals and, and different sources like that and say, this information I'm sharing with you is from the late, great such and such. But the, the reality is I can't do that. What I'm sharing with you is a psychology that I've gathered from a lifetime of exploring these ideas. Hey, friends, I'm going to interrupt the show briefly. Today, you may have come here to hear this show for the first time because I was on the Adventure Sports Podcast today, which, by the way, if you don't know what the Adventure Sports Podcast is, go check it out. It, it, it's awesome. 
But if you're coming here today for the first time, will you do me a special favor? We are working hard to get information out that can be helpful to people about how to weather this coronavirus crisis, and we have a rough road ahead of us. I want to be there to offer people encouragement and support and ideas and information that they need, but we're having a heck of a time getting our ratings up in iTunes. And it's very simple. We're a brand new show. We don't have ratings and reviews yet, so when people are searching in iTunes, they just don't find us. The way that we get to the search engines like iTunes is going to be if people take a moment to click those buttons and say, yes, I like the show, leave a review. Those sorts of things are of huge value to a young show like ours right now. And so I'm asking for that as a special favor. Even if you don't like the show, you can leave that too. But we really want those ratings and reviews. And then, since the show comes out at various times during the day, depending on breaking news, will you also subscribe? If you subscribe, then that means you won't miss a show when it does come out. And I thank you very much. We appreciate your help. Now on with the show. So here we go. Imagine with me for a moment that you are a more complex individual than you may usually apprehend. This is going to get a little bit meta, but it's time for some soul searching, so here we go. Number one, are you a bundle of bones, muscles, nerves, and organs with a brain? Do you feel emotion when the outside world confronts you with stimulating situations? Number two, are you a consciousness that has a body that reacts when the world outside confronts you with stimulating situations? Do you outthink the challenges to figure it all out? Number three, I could ask you what you're thinking about these questions right now. In response, you may describe emotions or concepts about emotions. You may start to reflect on why you're feeling what you're feeling. You may even take this to the next level and reflect on the part of you that is reflecting on why you are feeling what you are feeling. I warned you this would get meta. But this is the key to managing difficult situations that create strong emotions. There is the part of us that really feels the emotions of the moment. And when you feel strong emotion, you may feel like you're being swept along by a strong current that's nearly impossible to swim against. Let's call this part the emotional you part. Emotional you part. You could think of this part of your being as the alternator in a car. It gets spun up by the outside forces and it creates a lot of electricity that flows throughout the car doing important things and even getting stored up to be used later but the alternator is at the mercy of the engine that provides the motive force. The alternator gets spun up by the engine as the engine revs. Before the analogy starts to fall apart, let's move on to other parts of you. Outside of the emotional you part, there is the thinker you part. The thinker you part is the part of you that can express what you're feeling and question why you're feeling the way you are. The thinker you part can also get spun up. We could call this thinker you part the engine in the car. As the accelerator is pressed, gas flows into the cylinders and the engine roars to life. It spins up the alternator and powers the drivetrain to force the car to action. 
The engine does a lot of important work for the car, and sometimes that engine thinks it's in charge. After all, the engine is the motive force. That's where the fuel is changed to power, and the engine makes the car accelerate or decelerate, and even makes the car cruise along nearly effortlessly down the highway. This again is the thinker part of you. But there is a third part of you that's absolutely mission critical. Without this third part, you will be out of control and, no doubt, a force to be reckoned with. Your emotions are spun up, your engine is spun up, you are flying forward, God only knows where, and the thinker you part actually thinks it's in control. But what controls a car? The driver controls the car. If the driver is asleep at the wheel, then the engine indeed takes over and catastrophe is soon coming. So the most important component of the car is without a doubt the driver you part. The driver you part. Okay, this is when it starts to get really meta. But there's a part of you that is aware of the emotions of the alternator and aware of the motive power thinking of the engine, but is also apart enough from these innate systems to observe collect situational information, make sure the engine and the alternator are working properly, and actually steer and brake. You may note that while the alternator or the electrical system of a car and the engine of the car are hard bolted to the chassis and physically a part of the car, the driver is not. The driver you part can get in and out of the car and sleep and ignore the car or be very attentive to what the car is doing. The driver you part must be present for the car to work properly, but is not even directly connected to the electrical system or the engine. Again, before this analogy starts to fall apart, let's move on and put it to some good use. Number one, what I would like to call level one crisis responses are emotional. The emotional you part gets spun up and starts flinging electricity all over the place and gets stored up in the battery for future use and reference. However, if the electrical system is the driver, then the car will crash. It's necessary, but it's not the driver. Level 2 crisis responses are cognitive focused. You think. You try to figure out why, how, and what might happen. The thinker you part wants to fix the situation. It may want to accuse others, get justice, escape the unpleasant. It wants to figure out the situation and take control of it. By the way, the thinker you part drives the emotional you part and the emotional you part provides the spark that makes the thinker you part go. The thinker you part does not know when to stop and can race forward all spun up with the emotional you part. Many people think this thinker you part is in charge, but it's not. Do you see the negative feedback loop here? Level three crisis responses are the domain of the driver of the car, the observer. The driver you part can reflect on the electrical system and the engine and settle both down. The observer, this is the driver you part, the observer can make real decisions and steer the vehicle so that good things happen. This driver you part is a part of you that knows where to go and how to react. Most of us get these three parts of ourselves quite confused. Some don't even realize the distinction between them. But while very much connected and interdependent, they are very distinct. You may hear people say something like, control your emotions, which is a useless bit of advice, by the way. Or one might say, 
Slow down, your mind is racing out of control. This bit of advice is far better than the former, but it still does not hold the key. The keys are held by the driver, who many don't even recognize exists, but the car does not drive itself. What domain is in charge of your car? The emotions? The thoughts? If so, you will often feel anxious and out of control. Let's spend some time on the driver you part. The driver does control the vehicle, but does not do so by stopping the emotions, somehow stopping the alternator from spinning, nah, or controlling the emotions. The driver conducts the whole vehicle, steering and braking and feeding gas to the engine, but it does so much more. The driver judges the curbs and knows the speed limit. The driver senses the traction of the tires on the road and the G-forces involved. The driver gets information from the outside environment and from other drivers. And the driver shares information with other drivers, too. There's so much going on with the driver that it's hard to reason out with our thinker you parts what's really going on. But here is where the analogy starts to fall apart. So let's leave this analogy behind and get to the next level of understanding. Some scary thing might be happening to you right now. Your emotional you part is sounding alarms. Perhaps your thinker you part is trying to rationalize what's happening to create some sort of meaning that is actionable. But where is your driver you part? I call the driver you part the observer because that is exactly how you engage this critical part of you. You can step out of your thinking and emotions that are all spun up and look. The observer should not try to control, nor to judge, nor to figure it all out. The observer acknowledges what's going on. The observer is at peace in the storm. The observer can say, wow, my body is feeling a lot of emotion right now. Let me repeat that. The observer can say, wow, my body is feeling a lot of emotion right now. The observer then can experience the emotion without trying to figure it out or control it. A few deep breaths, a moment to watch the feelings. The observer can also say, wow, my thinker is really spun up right now. It's a funny sensation to observe your thinker part thinking. But what is amazing is that you can. Not only can you watch yourself think, this dynamic is fundamental to what it means to be a conscious being. Wow, look at the thinker go for it. Oh man, how funny. The thinker is working overtime right now. The observer then does not have to be overwhelmed with emotion, nor attempt to control the emotion. The observer does not need to be overwhelmed with racing thoughts, nor try to control those thoughts. The observer is the being part of you. The observer understands without and beyond words what it means to be. Let me say that again. The observer understands without and beyond words what it means to be. You are a living, breathing, amazing miracle of life, and you are a living being. The observer can watch all this with a sense of wise pseudo-detachment. But the most important part of all is that the being observer part of you loves Love is not a feeling. Lust is a feeling. Love is something far, far greater. Love is a state of being. And the observer loves. The observer forgives. The observer offers peace beyond understanding and somehow knows 
the observer does not have to fix it. The observer just loves as a state of being. And as the observer watches the emotional you part and the thinker you part and fills them with love, then the car starts to behave itself and actually goes where you need it to go. Level three crisis management is when we allow our being to be by spending time or timelessness with the observer you part. It's going to be okay no matter what the outcome. The observer part of you knows this. It is going to be okay no matter what happens. Thank you for listening in today. Spend a little bit of time with the observer. See what that does for you during this strange, strange time we're living in. And don't let the headlines create a sense of spun-up emotional response. You know, (laughs) mainstream media is out there to get your attention. Sometimes it feels like a parasite trying to suck your attention out of your skull. Well, don't let that happen. Spend some time with your Observer you part today. Thank you for listening. My name is Kurt Linville. The show today is produced by Caleb Linville.